he ended up going to his own people that he grew up with and took their advice. And unfortunately, that's why he had to get himself up and flee. Because you destroy the relationship that David had established that whole entire time. So he ruined the peace that was supposed to sustain itself. So that's the big issue. And that's the problem. See what I'm saying? Welcome to the Truth of the Matter is podcast. This is episode number 54. It's been a year with myself and, of course, Jonathan. Before we begin, we would like to give a round of applause to all of our new and day one listeners. We honestly want to thank you all who have continued to listen to us over the year and press play at your own leisure. If you're new, welcome. We recently added something new to the podcast intro, and that is when downtime becomes available, we are encouraging people to briefly inform God of one of the many things I'm sure you are thankful for. Of course, the truth of the matter is all of us should be thankful for something and of course take nothing for granted so you are entitled to join us as we take out 15 seconds to tell god individually what we are thankful for today and therefore you may begin Coming to you yet again, Daniel. You don't mind sharing? You had some time to think about it? What is one thing you're thankful for today? So I'm thankful for love in general, um, but mostly for God's love. Being able to keep you when you may not be making to the best of decisions and allow you to make mistakes. So mercy, love, and just God. Allowing you to correct your mistakes and being patient with you. I know that was quite a few things, but that's what I'm thankful for this week. What about you? I'm thankful for having the free access to pray, you know, to God. I know I've said this before, but for those who are listening to the Truth of the Matter is podcast for the very first time, I want you to know that prayer is an opportunity. That gives you personal access to have a heart-to-heart conversation with God. It's a chance in which you get to share your innermost thoughts, concerns, dreams, and aspirations. Praying can have the effect of improving your thought life. While also reassuring your faith in God. It's all about elevating your mind to understand that it's about what God has already done. Not about what he is trying to do as if God needs to catch up or maybe he's missing something and therefore he just learned more about you because you told him, right? Lastly, I tell you this, right? Please don't underestimate the power of prayer. 
James tells us that prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Therefore, keep in mind that God hears all of our prayers, okay? And I'll say that one more time. God hears all of our prayers. And he also answers them in the correct time. And then you want to add, Daniel, and your, your understanding and appreciation for prayer in your own personal, individual time? I don't want to force it. There's nothing to add on my end. Okay. So, one more thing, obviously, before we get to prayer. How was your week, man? Anything interesting happened? Anything come up that blew your mind? As you reflect, man, this it's been a hectic week. Um, this is a lot of things that happened this week. You know, I'm my uncle now. So are you? So there's that. <laughs> so congratulations on becoming an uncle, Mr. Jonathan. Yes, uh, yes, it's a, it's a new experience. So soon, right? Neither one of us were prepared for this experience, but. Yeah, well, uncles. Oh, uncles. Uh, I mean, it, the, the week has just been hectic. This is just so many things that's been going on. Um, I'm doing well, despite all that's transpired during the week. Everything's good. There's just a lot that took place. So it's like uh, getting being boring, uh, having to go get a stroller and stuff at the last minute. That was crazy. Uh, amongst like things at work and everything <laughs> so I was, i'm just thinking about all that the things that happened and it's crazy it's only been one week that's the that's that's the funny part of it all it's like yeah it's been one week and just a lot of things take place yeah sometimes but this you know you be able to come down at the end of the week and still be like yeah but everything's good that's that's a that's a beautiful feeling yeah being thankful you know sometimes when Things come up and it happen at such a rapid pace. You're just caught all in it. And then when you take the time out to reflect, you realize, man, so much had transpired this week. I either handled it pretty well and I probably didn't know how much was coming at me in the moment. But now when I look back, I was in the right mindset. I had the right attitude and therefore... It went exactly the way it was supposed to be. So, yeah. Yeah, especially when you start to realize that. uh, This is why it's important to have faith in God, but also have faith in yourself as well. Because when God tests you for or tests you to be battle tested for when situations like this occur, not just with the kid, but uh, it could be with anything. It could be like in your relationships. It could be at work. Speaking just in generalities, when challenges and stuff come on, being able to just keep a positive attitude or having that feeling that you can just handle it and then taking the action. Powerful thing, man. Powerful thing. Yeah. All right. So let's get started with prayer and then we're going to jump into the text for today. So I'll start. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. We thank you for another day. We thank you for your peace and your abundance. We thank you for your touch, your presence, 
that can be overwhelming at first. But then again, we'll have to say it's an honor to be in your midst. As we go to your word today, we ask that you open all eyes, all ears, all minds, all hearts to your truth. Lord, I ask that you reveal yourself to all that have placed their faith in you and believe that you are the only true God. That you are the first and the last and the one that is still to come. That you are the I am, that you are the creator of all things, the one which nothing ever occurs to. And on that note, all in agreement, we say, Amen. Amen. Yeah, so today. That word abundance. What happened? I said, I like that word abundance. Yeah, it's a. Rolls off the tongue nicely. Right? Abundance. Abundance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sounds right. Okay. So today we're going to dig a little deeper because I love it when we ask ourselves questions about what we're reading and. I remember this old trick I was taught when it comes to catching my own mistakes, and that is, uh, Dave, you have any idea? When it comes to catching your own mistakes? Yeah. Usually, what do you do? And it's an old trick. What do I do? Yeah, it's a trick. What do you, what do, you do? I just, I take a step back. That's how I catch things. So you don't read it out loud? And by reading out loud, you hear yourself and then you know, wait a second, this doesn't sound right. Because, I mean, when you write things, you write it in your head, right? And then you Mm -hmm. put it on paper. And, of course, in that process, you think it's going well. But then when you you actually read it out loud, you catch your own mistake. You know what's funny? Uh, I actually take it a step further. Okay. I, I usually have somebody read it to me. So I could take myself out of it. <laughs> okay, that works. Yeah. I guess both yeah. instances it works. I suppose if you don't have anyone to read it to you, you have to do what I said. But if you have someone as kind and generous and as patient patient as you are, I'm sure they'll take the time out to do that. And you're right, because actually when it comes to the description that we place online for the, each episode, Jen actually helps me out. And as she takes a look at it, and she does both. Sometimes she'll know where, you know, the proper comments and correct punctuation goes. And other times she'll read it to me. And I can't stand it when someone reads your own work and you sound stupid. At the moment, you like, you really sound, you look back and you're like, man, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> but I went through those experiences when I was in high school, going up into college. Because my grammar punctuation wasn't as sharp. And it still isn't, right? It's one of my weaknesses. When they would read it out loud to me, I just thought I was a genius when I put it on paper. But now hearing it, it's like, man, this doesn't sound great. This needs work. This needs some correction. So, yeah, I happen to agree with you. Having a person that comes and assists you in that area would be such a significant difference in what you produce. Right? Agreed. Yeah. So, obviously, you know what I'm talking about. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Right? Reading stuff in your head is cool. But when you... The backfire aspect to it is when you're, you know, taking a test. Of course, it's important that we be respectful to everyone else who's participating in the test room. But when I first read the text, right... 
that we are going to unpack today, I kind of knew that the message was well, at least the general aspect of the message was pretty basic, at least to how I saw it on the surface. And I even spoke to my friend Eric about it in our Bible study last Monday. He asked me, you know, are we going to cover this? Look at this. And I said, you know, I'll take a look at it. And actually, as an aside, you know, I want to also make mention that I encourage people who are listening to give the whole concept of Bible study a try, right? If you have a few buddies or a few girlfriends who share the same faith as you, I think it's noble of you to get together and grow with one another. Remember, people tend to grow in community, not isolation. Now, you can grow in isolation. It's just not as fast-paced as it would be if you had people around you that can encourage you, motivate you, inspire you, right? And it can actually be enjoyable, quite enjoyable, right? You can learn a lot from others than yourself. And you get the opportunity to fellowship with one another as a group, which is very important, part of your development as a believer in this world. And ultimately, we should be sticking together and being able to mutually encourage one another. And that's something Paul says, let us be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Right. And Paul mentions this in Romans. Now, when I read the text a few times out loud, I was able to spot some serious truths about what Jesus was doing. And it blew my mind. I hope after I share it today, it will blow your mind as well. So let's begin. Of course, we're in a Gospel of Luke series. We're going to begin with the 18th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 19. And we're going to look at this in the NLT. One other thing, too, right? On the truth of the matter is we believe in being truthful and honest. And in my honest opinion, I had intentions on talking about this passage because I thought it was something we covered already. Right. I didn't have intentions on discussing this. However, I believe God has opened my eyes to see more than what I saw when I first read it and how I utilized it. Right. One thing I learned is you can utilize one text for multiple different scenarios. It's how you look at it. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of God's word. Right. When you read it again and again and again, no matter how long you read it, if it was a week ago, if it was a month ago, if it was a year, even a decade, I guarantee that God has opened your eyes to even more than you thought you'll be able to understand when you first looked at it or glanced at it. So let's get started again. We're going to look at the 18th chapter of Luke verses 18 through 19. We're going to look at this in the NLT. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. 
Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come. Follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Then who in the world can be saved? And he replied, What is impossible for people is possible with God. And Peter said, We left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. So great job, Daniel. There are three major points I want to speak about in this passage. Okay, now, obviously, we can really break it down verse for verse, and we've done that before. But there are three main important things I wanted to mention to you all, right? First thing that caught my attention and needed some investigation was the first portion of the verse, right? You see, when I first read this portion of the text, I read it in NIV. And that translation said, a certain ruler asked him. Now, a certain ruler entails that the specifics had to matter. Now, exactly who isn't expressed. The same way in every translation, you don't get a clear indication who it is. And I wondered why. You see, if we look at this in the English Standard Version, it says a ruler. Nothing there just means that they are in the same position. But more importantly, the position that is the standard statement, a ruler. It's no significance other than that it was a ruler. Now, when we look at this in the New American Bible, it says an official. Now, an official is referenced in the text as the ruler. An official has swing and decisions making, but more of their power and impact happens as a group member, not so much as a ruler by itself which is what I would imagine, right? And another translation, it says, a young Jewish leader. Now, this caught my attention and seems a bit more accurate. Now, why am I searching like this, right? You may ask. Well, there are a few points I want to make so that you can see where I'm going with this. One can surmise that all translations that were provided have a point. A certain ruler would mean that the type of ruler is all the writers were trying to express. And guess what? A type of ruler could be a young Jewish ruler, right? It could also be a religious ruler, which is where we find in the NLT, so the one that I chose. It could also mean that they are part of an official team as well. Now, if I want to be specific, I would say it must have been or could have been a young Jewish leader that happens to be religious while holding an official position. Now, I think that could be possible. Why? Because it embraces all the elements in the different translations that's trying to get you to understand. Yes, he's a ruler. Yes, he's a Jewish leader. 
Yes, he's religious. Yes, he potentially is an official, right? Now, the scripture favors the next point I'm going to make in regards to how I came to this conclusion, right? This type of rule who happens to fit all these titles, they're young, right? And had the courage to ask Jesus this question, right? Which had to be with good intentions. And here's why. If the young Jewish leader heard about Jesus to this point, then he knows that Jesus has been questioning the leadership of the men that belong to the sets of either a Pharisee or a Sadducee. At this point, you would have realized that Jesus publicly has pointed them out as hypocrites. He even thought that they didn't know what they were talking about, right? Because they claimed to know the law. But Jesus pointed out how they were in error and as a result has brought their means to the, to the, to the, to the front publicly and pointed out the misinformation they've been spreading and the foolishness that they've been sharing with the public at large. If the young Jewish religious leader who's probably been watching or listening is aware of this, then therefore, it would make sense why he wants proper advice. Not from them, but from Jesus. He possibly sensed the misleading guidance and therefore looked towards Jesus instead. Now, I actually admire the young Jewish religious leader because bad advice or instruction, once put into action, can impact generations from the worst. The desire to search the proper channels to steer everything correctly is, I would say, noble. The fact that he's seeking advice to lead is important. And it, I would think it's huge to want to pursue that and not think that he has it all together. Now, here's what I mean. I got to back it up, right? Obviously with scripture. So we're going to go to a text, Old Testament text in 1 Kings, where we see exactly what I'm talking about and how it gets played out. So we're going to go to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 1 through 19 in the NIV. Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, 
they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young man who had grew up with him and were serving him. He asked him, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grew up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scorned you with whips. I will scorn you with scorpions. Three days later, Jehovah and all the people returned to Rehoboam. As the king has said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young man and said, My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scorned you with whips. I will scorn you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. For this turn of event was from the Lord. To fulfill the word of the Lord had spoken to Jehovah, son of Nabat, through Ahijah, the Shalonite. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son to your tents? Israel looked after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in the town of Judea, Rehoboam still ruled over them. And King Rehoboam sent out Adoram, um, Adoram, who was in charge of forced labor. But all Israel stoned him to death. King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. So Israel had been rebelling against the house of David to this day. So any thoughts, Daniel, in regards to the fact that you had a man that was told who you should seek advice from and in return he rejected the proper advice and took the advice of individuals that didn't have as much wisdom in terms of experience on how long they live or rather express the opposite correct advice and therefore everything blew up in his face any thoughts to that i remember in a book that i read once it said that would you seek if you wanted to build, or if you want, let's say if you wanted to sell jewelry, right? Mm-hmm. Would you take advice from a jeweler or from a brickmaker? And it was obvious that you don't go to people outside of your realm or without experience in a particular field to seek advice, right? So when he asked the people who were younger and the people who grew up with him, that was equivalent to them looking at it like, take advice from people who's going to be a yes man. Or somebody who's going to feed your ego. So it's more. It seemed as though the advice would be. More suited to his style. Because the people around his age. Has the same wisdom. Now for the people who are older. The elders in the matter. That is. um, 
it's also kind of hard sometimes to listen to people who are older than you for some people, depending on your mindset. Because not all the time do elders or people who are older understand um, the predicament of the younger people. Sometimes they will because they have been through it. And other times it, it can also lead them blind. So I think him even taking advice from people his own age and completely rejecting the advice of the elders just put him in a position where it was like, first of all, you should be the last decision maker and you should have considered both sides and came to an opinion of your own. Asking for advice isn't to make sure that you do this, the exact thing that you're being told. So that, that was that was my issue with the story in general. Okay. Because the issue is, is you turn it back to the text of Jesus at the time. Jesus was calling out the religious leaders because of the hypocrisy in the way they were telling people to do certain things, but they won't even follow suit into the same thing. So the points that Jesus was being made, obviously he was celebrated and the, the way he came at it was a bit more temperate. And I can imagine why he approached Jesus and rather seeked out his advice rather than what he's been hearing. Because obviously there's something going wrong for him to stray away from the so-called experts of the law. Because they obviously were doing something not only to infuriate Jesus, but to set the wrong example for the community at large who's listening. Because remember, he's teaching them. And a lot of the, the Sadducees and Pharisees were concerned in regards to who taught him. And where did he get this insight, this wisdom, this foreknowledge of how things are supposed to be? And it challenged the authority because sometimes when you're in positions of authority and you don't have nobody there to answer to, you start to take advantage of people who don't know what you know. And the instance of the story, the reason why going to the elders seem to be much more wise in that fact is because they lived during a time of peace when Solomon actually built the temple. And during that period of time, in order to keep the peace, they knew the insight and knowledge and wisdom acquired to keep that peace. Unfortunately, he didn't have the humbleness to accept what he heard, but rather, again, to what you said, credit to the point that you made, he ended up going to his own people that he grew up with and took their advice. And unfortunately, that's why he had to get himself up and flee. Because you destroy the relationship that David had established that whole entire time. So he ruined the peace that was supposed to sustain itself. So that's the big issue. And that's the problem. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. That's the reason why it's important that we go back and we, we look at some of these things. Now, going back to the text for today, here's the second point I want to talk about. Right. You have a young man saying. That a good teacher must I do to inherit eternal life. Right. What must I do to inherit? Eternal right. Life? And what you have is Jesus response by saying, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. The issue is, unfortunately, 
right? This is a hard pill to swallow for many, right? The fact that you're being told that you're not good is bothersome for so many. This is the reason why people reject the notion that they need a savior and don't accept the message of the gospel because they reject the idea that they are sinners. If my memory serves me right, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6, that says, and I'm going to look at this in the old King James language, and it says, All of our righteousness are as filthy rags, right? I look at this in the English Standard Version. All of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And the rest of the text says this. And I'm going to look at this in the Amplified Version. We all wither and decay like a leaf. And our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing, like the wind, takes us away, carrying us from God's favor towards destruction. So I remember when we first read in 1 John, and I believe this is the first chapter or the second chapter, you know, it said it told us that if we claim, I believe it's the first chapter, if we claim, I think it's first chapter, verse eight through ten, if you're following along, right? If we claim to be without sin, we de- we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So I'm just repeating it. The problem is people in society are denying that there's something wrong with their thinking, with the decision making, with their conclusions that they draw. And I mean, look at what's been going on indefinitely for the last year during the pandemic, the shooting, the killings, the racism. Right. I've always defined that as a heart issue. Right. Some people are really being prideful, proud. People are intentionally saying we're not sinners. We have not sinned. And therefore, they're trying to make God out to be a liar. And obviously. His word can't be in them. Right. Now, if we go to Romans chapter three. And we look at verses 23 through 24 in the NIV. This is what it says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justifiedly or justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So the key word there is all, not some, not many, not a few, not somewhat, not most. All means everybody now let's go to ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 through 10 and we're going to first look at this in the message bible now god has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us is christ jesus saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, 
we'll probably go around bragging that we've done this whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we have been doing. Now, the reason why I bring that up and is a perfect example is there's a passage in the book of Judges in the story of Gideon. We talked about this before. And in that passage, what Jesus, well, not Jesus, what God does is at the time, Gideon has an army, right? And I'm not going to go to the text because we can really go through the text and look into that, but I'll give you the short version of that. In that portion of the text, what he does is God eliminates half of the army by giving them a distinction to how they drink their water. And the reason why God does that, because he knew that if they won the war with the maximum amount of army he had, they will boast about winning. But what God does is he destroys the high likely odds by cutting the army in half so that Gideon knows that with his fortitude and his desire to win, that they'll still be able to win, but they're winning because God allowed it. If God didn't do that, they will boast about it, which is the reason why in Ephesians, and I like it in the Message Bible, if it was our plan, we'll boast about it. When we think individually about the success that we have, you're going to tell me from time to time, you don't catch yourself boasting about what it is that you accomplished, what it is that you were able to achieve with your own will and your own strength. Us as human beings naturally have the inclination to boast about what we're capable of doing. Last example that crossed my mind, the Tower of Babel. They band together, and God was aware of this, and they thought they was going to build a tower to the heavens. When they band together, it was all about what they were going to do. It was all about what they were capable of doing. Now, that's why God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble crest. Why? Because God knows that we aren't good. So he sends Jesus and allows the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit to help change your heart so that you can be Christ-like. And operate with the fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who are in Christ are distinguished from the unbeliever. And that they have been gifted the Holy Spirit, enabling them to bear fruit and represent Christ. Now, before we go forward, I want to read again Ephesians 2. But this time, verses 8 through 9. And I just want to read it in the NIV, not the message by. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. All right, great job, Dan. Now that we've gone through this, here's the most important part of the text that I want to talk about today. Now, mind you, remember, these are just sometimes in Scripture, all it takes is one sentence to build up your curiosity. 
for you to go searching. Now, when searching for the truth, there are going to be some things that you find that are overwhelming. There's going to be some things that you find that's reassuring. There's going to be some things that you find that has you questioning the approach that you went with and then how you, you probably have to change it, right? Unfortunately. Now, we know that the young Jewish leader was religious in the NLT because look at what he references, right? He speaks about his reverence, respect to the law. Let's, let's go to that, right? What does he say, Daniel? Jesus says, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Then the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. So the most important part of the passage that I want to talk about is what Daniel just read. So please, hear me very carefully as I break this down. Jesus reminded the young man of the law, he claims that he has held since he was a little boy. In fact, if we go to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, we can be reminded of ourselves of this text because it has everything to do with another story, the Good Samaritan. Look at how this story starts. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Same question this young man asks Jesus. And look at the response Jesus gives him. What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells him what he had answered correctly. Jesus also gave a similar response to the young man, right? You know the commandments, right? That was back on Luke 18, verse 20, right? Yep. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely and honor your father and mother. See, what you see here is Jesus covering other portions of the law. But here's the catch. There's two laws that the expert stated that covers the ones that Jesus said to the young man. Now, here's where things get interesting. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. See, the problem was true love wasn't being expressed. 
Remember, the expert in the law says love your neighbor as yourself. And he clearly, the young Jewish religious leader, wasn't doing that. Now let's go back to Luke 10 and let's find out who is our neighbor, right? This is how you're able to see two texts, even those in two different stories, share some light on the inside and they're, answer, they're answering each other, but in different ways, right? So when we go back to the expert in the law, right, he talks about the love, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. He clearly wasn't doing that. Now, we go back to Luke 10. Let's find out who our neighbor is. And we find this out from further question of the expert and the law to Jesus. But the expert wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Leviat, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So you see, Jesus is smart. He created a scenario in which he allowed them, even though they haven't been doing it individually, for them to recognize their error of their way. So if you see a man that gets beat up and tossed to the side, and you see another man, in this case, the Samaritan man, who obviously they weren't fond of, fond of, right? They weren't fond of, comes in, takes care of him, helps him, fixes him up, and is very responsible in regards to any other expenses it takes to do that. That's what a real neighbor does. So we go back to Luke 18. What we see in Luke 10 is what we see in Luke 18 that Jesus is talking to in regards to the young Jewish religious leader is the poor. That's who his neighbor is, the poor. The poor is our neighbor. Anyone in need of our neighbor happens to be, in this case, the poor. So anybody in need is your neighbor. Yes, anyone that is in need happens to be your neighbor. And what Jesus does, and we're going to see in a second what he does, but the point that I'm making is to truly love is to give at the expense of oneself in order to benefit the one to receive it. I'll say that one more time. To truly love 
It's to give at the expense of oneself in order to benefit the one to receive it. So what we see here is in Luke 10, it was the man that got beat up and was tossed to the wayside. In Luke 18, we see Jesus is encouraging the rich man to give his possessions to those who need it. And that happens to be the poor. Now, this brings me to John 3.16 in the Amplified Version. And I'm going to let Daniel take it from here. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, listen to how I read it. I'm going to read it in the NIV. God gave up his Son. For us, actually, I'm going to paraphrase this. The question is, why can't the young man give up his riches? Let me say that one more time. God gave up his son for us. The question is, why can't the young man give up his riches? Not even all of them, just some. Right? Did he hear what Jesus said in Matthew 6? Verse 19 through 21, and we're going to look at this in the Amplified Version. Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers, will be awesome so for those who haven't been listening to our podcast we did an episode called how to experience god's love and i believe that's episode four so for those who are still interested you're more than welcome to stream it at your own convenience and in that i used this same passage however it was in mark and in the translation i used was the english standard version and in that passage the most important point that was made Actually, let's go to it. Mark 10, verse 21 through 22. Daniel, would you mind reading that? And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Key statement in this text is that Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. And remember what I mentioned, and I re-mentioned it again for those who haven't listened to that episode. If you love a person so much, sometimes you gotta let them go and allow them to experience something I call self-discovery and self-reflection. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because Jesus corrected the young man who claims he's been keeping the law his entire life since he was a little boy. Not his entire life. Since he was a little boy up until this point. The problem occurs when his wealth, his possessions are in danger of being given away or being lowered than what he had. This goes to show you that he has more love for his money 
Then for the love he has for his neighbor, who he claimed he was loving, right? Which means he isn't following the law so closely as he thought he was. The threat of what he truly treasured forced him to regroup and rethink what he thought he was honoring. The good thing is he came to Jesus and now he's trying to validate himself? I don't think so. Right? We learned in the story of the Sumerian that the expert was trying to validate himself. Can we say that the young Jewish religious leader was trying to validate himself? No, I don't think so. What I believe, though, is that he left that conversation needing to reflect and rethink his point of view about him keeping the portion of the law that he didn't, that didn't impact him and what he had. Just like last week, sometimes if you're curious and you want to search for truth, go back, check out chapters before. You'll be surprised what you find. I personally learned that whatever God is asking for us, best believe he did some version of himself. He showed us an example of what love is. Remember, he gave his one and only forgotten son for us. He wants us to be patient. Why? Because he's that way with us all the, the, the time. He's, with, he's that way with us all the time. And as we continue to go through Luke, I'm learning something new every time. That's why I'm sharing this information with you. So, before I pass the baton to Daniel for devotional time, is there anything you want to add? Anything that you learned for some of the three points that I've mentioned? Um, mainly, I think the biggest takeaway from today's podcast for me was where we talked about how Christ operated you know with the fruits of the spirit of love joy peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness and self-control think if we can exercise those things on the regular basis we'll we'll be a-okay not easy to do but but the spirit encourages you and motivates you and holds your hand in that process that's right yes so obviously this podcast is titled searching for the truth part two And I want you to see, yes, on the surface, the story of the rich man, you can get your generalities by looking at it, just basic way of looking at it. What I really want you to see is that when you make a proclamation that you've kept the law, in this case, the young Jewish religious leader, kept the law, Jesus tested him. He said, oh, you kept the law. Okay, so how about you get rid of those those riches that you have? And obviously he didn't want to, right? He said, yeah, those possessions is kind of valuable to me. And now that causes him to reflect and say, well, maybe I'm not loving my neighbor as myself. Because if he did, which is why Jesus said, you lack one thing, right? And I think that's what caught my attention, that sometimes when what is required to justify your commitment 
or conviction to something requires you to give up something that you love, right? Perfect example, Old Testament, when God told Abraham to kill his son. Harsh, harsh, harsh. Sacrifice the son, right? Harsh reality. But guess what? Abraham had a willingness to do it. And because of that, God was able to realize that he was one that became the father of the many nations, the father of faith. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. And he had faith in God, even though he did not know what the outcome was going to be. So, please, I hope this helps motivation builds someone's curiosity that when they read the text read it for understanding read it for comprehension don't go through the most really 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 honing on the stuff and you'll find out that there's some revelational knowledge not on the surface but it's reserved to those who act and they shall receive they seek they will find if they knock the door will be open to them and on that, we jump right to devotion. When the Bible tells you to flee sin, it tells you to do so by pursuing new practices. That's out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. But you, old man of God, flee these things, love of money and empty pursuits, and pure righteousness, godliness, faith. Love, patience, and gentleness. That's in Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, in the New King James Version. The verse above, Paul warned young Timothy about the perils of love and money. And then he told him to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. What exactly does that look like? Pursuing righteousness isn't about hanging on to your salvation. Rather, it's about dealing with one another justly. Pursuing godliness means doing your part in the sanctification process. You can do nothing to purify yourself of sin, but you can pray and read the word. Pursuing faith is about taking your eyes off your circumstances and focusing on God. Pursuing patience means bearing with loss, injury, and persecution. And pursuing gentleness means being kind and considerate towards others. If the love of money is strong in you, the list of pursuits above is the antidote. As you begin to pursue them, you'll see spiritual victories in your life. Here's a prayer. A small one. That will help you go after godly pursuits. God. Please help me pursue all these virtues listed here. And as I do that, fill me with your spirit and your love. Help me to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Allow me to operate with a kind spirit. And operates with the fruits of the spirits of love. Joy. Patience. Peace. Kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We say these things in Jesus' name, and I pray. Amen. Amen.